All right, let's start. We are reading for real now. Chapter 5. This is the second part of the book, 1984, by George Orwell. So, Syme had, or Seem had vanished. A morning came, and he was missing from work. A few thoughtless people commented on his absence. On the next day, nobody mentioned him. On the third day, Winston went into the vestibule of the records department to look at the notice board. One of the notices carried a printed list of the members of the chess committee, of whom Sim had been one. It looked almost exactly as it had looked before. Nothing had been crossed out, but it was one name shorter. It was enough. Sim had ceased to exist. He had never existed. The weather was baking hot. In the labyrinth ministry, the windowless, air-conditioned rooms kept their normal temperature, but outside the pavements, scorched one's feet and the stench of the tubes at the rush hours was a horror. The preparations for hate week were in full swing, and the staffs of all the ministries were working overtime. Processions, meetings, military parades, lectures, waxwork displays, film shows, telescreen programs, all had to be organized. All money wasted to brainwash them. Sounds familiar, people? Stands had to be erected, effigies built, slogans coined, songs written, rumors circulated, photographs faked. <laughs> That's too funny. You know what I forgot? I forgot to turn on the camera. <laughs> Come on. The camera is half the part. Seeing the stupid faces. You don't really see much anyway. But there you go. I did forget. Because I'm such a narc. I like to be on camera so much. <laughs> God. I remember when I was taking the photo shoot for my first boyfriend. I was doing it in the bathroom. You know, like self. To send it when he was in training to cheer him up, right? I was always thinking to myself, why do I, like, why do women need to do this? It's like, I always thought it was so retarded, man. Didn't last long for me, that's for sure, but, yep. I realized it wasn't my thing. I've never wanted to be a side piece to a fucking inferior man anyway. And for me, men are the inferior species, so no offense to those of you who are not like that. But they are not real men. They're who I call the inferior species are the beasts. They are from the lineage of the beasts. They are the the ones who watch the hoes, who watch porn and you call it normal. They're the ones who cheat on you. They're the ones who don't have respect for the sanctity of marriage. That's right. But again, not the the one that, you know, the church brings upon and all that. The real one. The one God meant. And those are the people that uh, I call the inferior species. So, <laughs> usually, yes, they're male in my case because, you know, I'm not really into women in that way. I'm sorry. Although I think uh, the female body looks much better than the male when it comes to putting them on a street pole, if I had to choose, I would probably prefer watching a woman because uh, I would be thinking, oh, check out what a female body can do. <laughs> I don't know, I've never found that stuff very interesting. I just like the pole dancing thing because I know it's a good exercise, but not uh, the half-naked kind they do. I've never been much into that shit. So I always like to make fun of it. In Italy, you know, they're big on that stuff, apparently. Not just in Italy, I know. But blah. Those are the inferior species. That's what I call them. So, anyway, Julia's unit in the fiction department had been taken off the production of novels and was rushing out a series of atrocity pamphlets. Winston, in addition to his regular work, spent long periods every day in going through back files of the times and altering and embellishing news items which were to be quoted in speeches. Late at night, when crowds of rowdy prose roamed the streets, the town had a curiously febrile air, like February. I guess, but I'll check it, just to make sure. Having or showing the symptoms of a fever. 
see I was wrong I thought February like you know February right now fever I was showing a great deal of nervous excitement or energy <laughs> so it's February by the way come on you wouldn't have been a, 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 a curiously what kind of air does February give anyway right <laughs> oh god this is where I waste my time sometimes eh? This was my problem in school. They would say something, then I would think something else, then I would go check and go, oh, funny how I thought that, and it says. And then I would be lost in my thoughts. And they would go on with their lesson, and half an hour later, I would go, fuck, I missed the whole thing, but I was thinking about that other shit. That didn't mean anything for most people. This is how my brain... So that's why I don't have time for gossip and bullshit, because, I don't know, I'm usually doing some weird stuff about stuff most people don't care about apparently some do i found some people like that it's funny but it's really you know so febrile one of the things i didn't see was about this was where if, if they give us the etymology i don't know why my nose is so itchy stop trying to read my energy whatever you're trying to do to me is coming back to you I'm telling you, some people are always trying to come into your energy. It's so funny. Mid-17th century from French, febrile, or medieval Latin febrilis, from Latin febris, fever. Yeah, that makes sense. But come on, it could have been from February. Febr. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on, and now that uh, I made you all feel better, because nobody is as big a loser as I am, and it's a good thing. I'm so happy when I make other people feel better with my own life tragedy. So, they curiously had this febrile air. The rocket's bombs crashed oftener than ever. Fun. And sometimes in the far distance there were enormous explosions but no one could explain and about which there were wild rumors. The new tune, which was to be the theme song of Hate Week, the hate song it was called, had already been composed and was being endlessly plugged on the telescreens. Repetition! It had a savage barking rhythm, which could not exactly be called music, oh god, but resembled the beating of a drum, roared out by hundreds of voices. To the tramp of marching feet, it was terrifying. The proles had taken a fancy to it, and in the midnight streets it completed with a still popular it was only a hopeless fancy. The parson's children played it at all hours of the night and day, unbearably, on a comb and a piece of toilet paper. Winston evenings were fuller than ever. Squads of volunteers organized by parsons were preparing the street for hate week, stitching banners, painting posters, erecting flagstaffs on the roofs, and perilously perilously slinging wires across the streets for the reception of streamer. Parsons boasted that Victory Mansions alone would display 400 meters of bunting. So much fun. He was in his native element and as happy as a lark. The heat and the manual work had even given him a pretext for reverting to shorts and an open shirt in the evenings. He was everywhere at once, pushing, pulling, sawing, hammering, improvising, jolling everyone along with camaraderie, <laughs> exhortations, and giving out from every fold of his body. <laughs> I was reading booty, I'm like, what? Of his body was seemed an inexhaustible supply of acrid smelling sweat my god he really wants to make us puke right a new poster had suddenly appeared all over london it had no caption and represented simply the monstrous figures of a eurasian shoulder three or four meters high striding forward with expressionless mongolian face and enormous boots a submachine gun pointed from his hip. From whatever angle you looked at the poster, the muzzle of the gun, magnified by the force shortening, seemed to be pointed straight at you. The thing had been 
plastered on every blank space, on every wall, even outnumbering the portraits of Big Brother. How dare you! I should play that right now. How dare you! <laughs> For shorten, portray or show an object or view as closer than it is, or as having less depth or distance, has an effect of perspective or the angle of vision. So, let's see where it comes from. course we would have to go and no now they're just explaining perspective <laughs> I clicked on the wrong one anyway so that's it was pretty obvious by the context but um, I thought maybe some people would not know that because uh, not everybody speaks English first language, right? And that's why we're doing this, mostly. If you can read, go read the book yourself. Don't be lazy. I'm sure if you're first language, you can read it better for yourself, you know? I'm doing this to help people who cannot read for whatever reason. The proles normally apathetic about the war were being lashed into one of their periodical frenzies of patriotism. As though to harmonize with the general mood, the rocket bombs had been killing larger numbers of people than usual. One fell on a crowded film theater in Stepney, burying several hundred victims among the ruins. Nice. The whole population of the neighborhood turned out for a long trailing funeral which went on for hours and was, in effect, an indignation meeting. <laughs> Their indignation. Another bomb fell on a piece of waste ground, which was used as a playground, and several dozen children were blown to pieces. There were further angry demonstrations. Goldstein was burned in effigy. Hundreds of copies of the poster of the Eurasian soldier were torn down and added to the flames and a number of shops were looted in the turmoil. <laughs> what was Black Lives Matter there? You know, the Soros one, not the real one. Then a rumor flew around that uh, spies were directing the rocket bombs by means of wireless waves, and an old couple, who were suspected of being of foreign extraction, had their house set on fire and perished of suffocation. In the room over Mr. Carrington's shop, when they could get there, Julia and Winston lay side by side on a strip bed under the open window, naked for the sake of coolness. The rat had never come back, but the bugs had multiplied hideously in the heat. It did not seem to matter. Dirty or clean, the room was paradise. As soon as they arrived, they would sprinkle everything with pepper, but on the black market, on the blacket the blacket market, tear off their clothes and make love with sweating bodies, then fall asleep and wake to find that the bugs had rallied and were massing for the counterattack. Four, five, six, seven times they met during the months of June, Winston had dropped his habit of drinking gin at all hours. He seemed to have lost the need for it. He had grown fatter, his varicose ulcer had subsided, leaving only a brown stain on the skin above his ankle. His fits of coughing in the early morning had stopped. What a surprise. He stopped having crappy shit. The process of life had ceased to be intolerable. He had no longer any impulse to make faces at the telescreen or shout curses at the top of his voice. Now that they had a secure hiding place, almost a home, it did not even seem a hardship that they could only meet him frequently and for a couple of hours at a time. What matter was that the room over the junk shop should exist? To know that it was there inviolate, almost the same as being in it. The room was a world, a pocket of the past where extinct animals could walk. 
Mr. Carrington thought Winston was another extinct animal. He usually stopped to talk with Mr. Carrington for a few minutes on his way upstairs. The old man seemed seldom or never to go out of doors, and, on the other hand, to have almost no customers. Oh, she's still under here. Hey, boo-boo. She's under the chair now. The big monster. <sighs> he led a ghost-like existence between the tiny dark shop and even tinier back kitchen where he prepared his meals and which contained, among other things, an unbelievably ancient gramophone with an enormous horn. He seemed glad of the opportunity to talk. Wandering about among his forceless stock with uh, worthless, sorry, not forceless, <laughs> worthless stock with his long nose and thick spectacles and his bowed shoulder, bowed shoulder, in the velvet jacket, he had always vaguely the air of being a collector rather than a tradesman. With a sort of faded enthusiasm, he would finger this scrap of rubbish or that a china bottle stopper, the painted lid of a broken snuff box, a pinchback locket containing a strand of some long dead baby's hair, never asking what Winston should buy it. Never asking that Winston should buy it, merely that he should admire it. To talk to him was like listening to the tinkling of a worn-out musical box. He had dragged out from the corners of his memory some more fragments of forgotten rhymes. There was one about four and twenty blackbirds, and another about a cow with a crumpled horn, and another about the death of poor cock Robin. It just occurred to me you might be interested he would say with a deprecating little laugh whenever he produced a new fragment but he could never recall more than a few lines of any one rhyme both of them knew in a way it was never out of their minds that what uh, was now happening could not last long there were times when the fact of impending death seemed a palpable as palpable as the bed they lay on and they would cling together with a sort of despairing sensuality, like a damned soul grasping at his last morsel of pleasure when the clock is within five minutes of striking. But there were also times when they had the illusion not only of safety, but of permanence. So long as they were actually in this room, they both felt no harm could come to them. Getting there was difficult and dangerous, but the room itself was sanctuary. It was as when Winston had gazed into the heart of the paperweight, with the feeling that it would be possible to get inside that glossy world, and that once inside it, time could be arrested. Once inside it, time could be arrested. So Sorry. <laughs> I'm so distracted because all this stuff is bringing up all kinds of memories. <laughs> Often, they gave themselves up to daydreams of escape. Their lack would hold indefinitely, and they would carry on their intrigue, just like this, for the remainder of their natural lives. Or Catherine would die, and by subtle maneuverings Winston and Julia would succeed in getting married. Or they would commit suicide together. Or they would disappear, alter themselves out of recognition, learn to speak with proletarian accents, get jobs in a factory, and live out their lives undetected in a back street. It was all nonsense, as they both knew. In reality, there was no escape. Even the one plan that was practicable, suicide, they had no intention of carrying out. To hang on from day to day and from week to week, spinning out a present that had no future, seemed an un unconquerable instinct, just as one's lungs will always draw the next breath, so long as there is air available. Sometimes, too, they talked of engaging in active rebellion against the party, but with no notion of how to take the first step. Even if the fabulous brotherhood was a reality, there still remained the difficulty of finding one's way into it. He told her of the strange intimacy that existed, or seemed to exist between himself and O'Brien, and of the impulse he sometimes felt simply to walk into O'Brien's presence, 
announced that he was the enemy of the party and demand his help. Curiously enough, this did not strike her as an impossible, <laughs> irrational thing to do. She was used to judging people by their faces, and it seemed natural to her that Winston should believe O'Brien to be trustworthy on the strength of a single flash of the eyes. Moreover, she took it for granted that everyone, or nearly everyone, secretly hated the party and would break the rules if he thought it safe to do so. But she refused to believe that widespread organized opposition existed or could exist. The tales about Goldstein and his underground army, she said, were simply a lot of rubbish which the party had invented for its own purposes and which you had to pretend to believe in. Times beyond number, at party rallies and spontaneous demonstrations, she had shouted at the top of her voice for the execution of people whose names she had never heard and in whose, in whose supposed crimes she had not the faintest belief. The faintest belief. When public trials were happening, she had taken her place in the detachments from the Youth League, who surrounded the courts from morning to night, chanting at intervals, death to the traitors. During the two minutes' hate, she always excelled all others in shouting insults of Goldstein. Yet she had only the dimmest idea of who Goldstein was and what doctrines he was supposed to represent. She had grown up since the revolution and was too young to remember the ideological battles of the 50s and 60s. Such a thing as an independent political movement was outside her imagination, and in any case the party was invincible. It would always exist, and it would always be the same. You could only rebel against it by secret disobedience or, at most, by isolated acts of violence such as killing somebody or blowing something up. <laughs> Do you recognize this way of thinking, by the way, people? I mean, <laughs> in some ways, she was far more acute than Winston and far less susceptible to party propaganda. Once when he happened in some connection to mention the war against Eurasia, she startled him by saying casually that in her opinion the war was now happening. The rocket bombs which fell daily on London were probably fired by the government of Oceania itself, just to keep people frightened. Yeah, no shit. This was an idea that had literally never occurred to him. Of course not, <laughs> because he's not a psycho killer. He's just a coward, and that's it, right? She also stirred a sort of envy in him by telling him that during the two minutes' hate, her great difficulty was to avoid bursting out laughing. But... She only questioned the teachings of the party when they, in some way, touched upon her own life. Often she was ready to accept the official mythology, simply because the difference between truth and falsehood did not seem important to her. She believed, for instance, having learned it at school, that the party had invented airplanes. <laughs> In his own school days, Winston remembered, in the late 50s, it was only the helicopter that the party claimed to have invented. A dozen years later, when Julia was at school, it was already claiming the airplane. One generation more, and it would be claiming the stream engine. <laughs> the steam engine, not the stream engine. <laughs> but it's funny, this is the stream engine for streamers. <laughs> oh shit. Today is a fuck-up day, let's have fun together, and, you know, you all feel better now because of me. <laughs> see? Self-ridicule is the best way. Let's see if I can finish this first coffee that I'm having. And when he told her that airplanes had been in existence before he was born, and long before the revolution, the fact struck her as totally uninteresting. After all, what did it matter who had invented airplanes? It was rather more of a shock to him when he discovered from some chance remark that she did not remember that Oceania, four years ago, had been at war with East Asia and at peace with Eurasia. It was true that she regarded the whole war as a sham, but apparently she had not even noticed that the name of the enemy had changed. <laughs> Yeah, why pay attention? It's all bullshit anyway. 
I thought we'd always been at war with Eurasia, she said vaguely. It frightened him a little, the invention of airplanes dated from long before birth, but the switchover in the war had happened only four years ago, well after she was grown up. He argued with her about it for perhaps a quarter of an hour. <laughs> in the end, he succeeded in forcing her memory back until she did dimly recall that at one time, East Asia and not Eurasia had been the enemy. But the issue still struck her as unimportant. Who cares? She said impatiently. It's always one bloody war after another, and one knows the news is all lies anyway. Sometimes he talked to her of the records department and the impudent forgeries that he committed there. Such things did not appear to horrify her. She did not feel the abyss opening beneath her feet at the thought of lies becoming truth. He told her the story of Jones, Arson, and Rutherford, and the momentous slip of paper which he had once held between his fingers. It did not make much impression on her. At first, indeed, she failed to grasp the point of the story. Were they friends of yours? she said. Were they friends of yours? <laughs> no, I never knew them. They were inner party members. Besides, they were far older men than I was. They belonged to the old days, before the revolution. I barely knew them by sight. Then what was there to worry about? People are being killed off all the time, aren't they? He tried to make her understand. This was an exceptional case. It wasn't just a question of somebody being killed. Do you realize that the past, starting from yesterday, has been actually abolished? It, if it is survives anywhere, it's in a few solid objects with no words attached to them, like that lump of glass there. Already, we know almost literally nothing about the revolution and the years before the revolution. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street has, and buildings have been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by min minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. <laughs> I know, of course, that the past is falsified. But it would never be possible for me to prove it, even when I did the falsification myself. After the thing is done, no evidence ever remains. The only evidence is inside my own mind, and I don't know with any certainty that any other human being shares my memories. Just in that one instance, in my whole life, I did possess actual concrete evidence after the event, years after it. Years after it, sorry. And what good was that? It was no good, because I threw it away a few minutes later. But if the same thing happened today, I should keep it. Well, I wouldn't, said Julia. I'm quite ready to take risks, but only for something worthwhile, not for bits of old newspaper. What could you have done with it, even if you had kept it? Not much, perhaps, but it was evidence. It might have planted a few doubts here and there, supposing that I dared to show it to anybody. I don't imagine that we can alter anything in our own lifetime. But one can imagine little knots of resistance springing up here and there, small groups of people banding themselves together and gradually growing and even leaving a few records behind so that the next generation can carry on where we live off. I'm not interested in the next generation, dear. I'm interested in us. You're only a rebel from the waist downwards, he told her. She saw this brilliantly witty and flung her arms around him in delight. In the, in the ramifications of party doctrine, she had not the faintest interest. Whenever he began to talk of the principles of Ingsog, double-think, the mutability of the past and the denial of objective reality, and to use newspeak words, <laughs> she became bored and confused and said that she never paid any attention to that kind of thing. One knew that it was all rubbish, so why let oneself be worried by it? She knew when to cheer and when to boo, 
And that was all one needed. If he persisted in talking of such things, of such subjects, she had a dis disconcerting habit of falling asleep. She was one of those people who can go to sleep at any hour and in any position. Talking to her, he realized how easy it was to present an appearance of orthodoxy while having no grasp whatsoever of what orthodoxy meant. In a way, the world view of the party imposed itself most successfully on people incapable of understanding it. They could be made to accept the most flagrant violations of reality because they never fully grasped the enormity of what was demanded of them and were not sufficiently interested in public events to notice what was happening. By lack of understanding, they remained sane. They simply swallowed everything and what they swallowed did them no harm because it left no residue behind just as a grain of corn will pass undigested through the body of a bird. <laughs> Which is exactly, you know, all the idiots who think the trucker's convoy is gonna save them and all that shit, right? That's all it is. It's like these people who just don't get it. Don't get what's really happening, you know? Or these people who put down, you know, Riki, EFT and all this stuff. They don't understand in the big picture what they're truly doing. Or non-vegans trying to push the cult agenda, which is non-veganism. Because ultimately they're making you do to animals what they do to you. Hence making you accept what they do to you because you're inferior to them. And they know better. Just like animals are inferior to you, they tell you. Who decided that? God knows, right? They decided that. So the perpetrators of the harm are telling you, oh, I'm doing this because I'm superior. Oh, what a novel idea. We never heard that before. <laughs> So, you know, it's hilarious, but that's the end of that part of the book, and I'm going to stop the video, so we keep it, you know, well, I can try and make you laugh a little bit now, and you can stop for a minute and laugh a little bit about, you know, how I make an asshole myself on a regular basis, just to make you laugh, come on, I do it so well. You know, I always thought, why just keep this for myself, you know, when I can make so many people happy at the same time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, one of the things I wanted to show you. Oh, I did it. I changed, I changed the, the little water and I use, I used the glue to seal it so now it's sealed with the glue and it's you can see the blue there a little bit it's a very nice blue it's this food dye it was like two dollars something so I tried different levels of water this one is the one that gives the best doesn't leak because it's completely sealed so and I used its own so it looks nice and neat you know so I'm probably gonna add this to the to the course so if they are looking for stuff like because it's kind of hard to find some unless people know where to find props I guess it's not as easy to find but also I always like to make my own stuff if I can like you know you customize it to your own liking so it's not like this cookie cutter shit that comes from the factory. going either like just a little not but so that's done and uh, I'm happy about the jar 
Oh, and I found two more streamers who do nice ASMR. So I'll watch them for a bit. And then I, if they continue, then I'm just gonna add them to the course too. I like to give them a lot of samples. They can find them themselves, it's true. It's just I find it's helpful when you're um, following a course and you have everything sort of, you know, put there. Especially if you're just starting. It's just easier. And I always tell them, I didn't make the course because I am so good at this and I'm the best. No, it's because there was nothing out there. And it's not... Unless you just want to do the straight, simple stuff that a lot of them do. If you want to do more of this stuff, then it's not really as straightforward, necessarily, unless you have experience. Alright. So. Also, I'm gonna check. I wanna see if there is any evaporation whatsoever because it's sealed now. So I'm curious to see. I'm doing tests on the Ampola basically. So yeah, I, I put the plants down and I'm gonna give them the plant food that was previously in here. So they need it. I haven't been able to get dirt and I need to replant them, so I'm trying to think how I can get some dirt so I can replant them, you know, they need to be... And they really like the bathroom, it's the only place where I can put them, there is a nice window. And it's really like a solarium almost, like in there, when the sun shines through, it warms you up, it's really cool. And they love it, they just... They've all been, maybe they like the smell, I don't know. You know, when, when we do our doo-doo. <laughs> well, they've been growing nicely, and so I took down some of them because they are growing really tall, and they were at the top. And I'm trying to find a place for them. So they're happier. I guess I'll have to move things around somehow. Always, always. And it's always like for a limited amount of times, so that's what... I get so frustrated because I have to always rethink how to put stuff every time we move. I'm so sick of it. We just want peace. And we're not even that hard, like difficult people. But now what we want to do is just... I've been trying to build something small and looking into it for a long time you know, need some get the hell out of here
opposed to a ceramic cup. And the top. And different mics, how they all perform different. It's kind of fun. Now, yeah, I'm playing with babies, but I mean, it's still much better than what I had even like two years ago. I was playing with a $30 mic. <laughs> and that was like, oh, I spent money on a mic, you know, I had no clue how to do anything. <laughs> it was pretty cool to learn by myself, really, mostly. And, uh, you know, watching some videos, yeah, but mostly it was you know, reading about it, product sections, watching some stuff, but mostly there's not much information out there really that gives you a really well, you know, you have to like look around a lot. Maybe now other people have started to give more because there was a need for it. But when I was trying into this, I was like, you know, I remember when my colleague from the courses was, um, you know, looking into how to stream on multiple platforms, that was also, how, how do we do it, you know, like, learning everything, basically, like, had to learn the whole thing. So Udemy, for example, was really good for that, because Udemy, um, I really liked Udemy as a student, right? And I saw the problems with the teachers, because it was evident from when I was taking courses, this has been going on forever. So that's why I wasn't, like, offended Personally, I was more like, you suck. People who behave like this suck. And you, school, are letting them get away with it. Because I was like, I'm not telling you not to let people give feedback. But feedback like that only hurts our standing. It hurts the, the, um, the instructor. And it doesn't offer anything in exchange. Just, you're hurting. Oh, but, you know, we have to, uh, we want to make everybody feel like you know their opinion matters but that's not an opinion when you give a few stars and that's it that's just malicious intent that's what it is opinion is actually you explaining oh i didn't like this and this and this and they never wanted to rectify it and uh, so when i started i you know i was like whatever who cares i am just you know basically learning how to use this kind of technology and I'm learning how to you know put it together and because I am I was raised in Italy until I was 24 you know and Italian and English are very different in terms of grammar and everything so I have to relearn everything right and so it takes time to do things you know and then spelling mistakes always occur because you don't see it you type fast there's all kinds of things so it's a, it's a good learning experience and for me what I really mostly liked at school was because you can get the greatest fucking courses for an affordable price that people who don't have any money can finally also learn stuff that was only available to the rich fucks before so no we don't get the best of the best in this world simply because not everybody is given the same chances and usually the people who are given chances are people who are willing to sell their soul and people who come from certain families. And so it's nothing to do with the quality of the person and the real innate ability to learn. It's actually everything to do with who you know. And so, no, I don't stand behind the system currently anywhere because I know that in any field we're not getting the best of the best. We're getting the best of those who can play the system the best and that's not the best of the best that's the best of the cons that's what we're getting and so in uh, a good attempt to change this we'll continue doing what we do but make no mistake the only reason why i'm not able to a go out and make a living and uh, you know just have a normal life is because of all of the cons out there who wear the face diapers and who clearly don't give a shit about my health and the effect that those face diapers have on people like me 
And claustrophobia is not something that is unheard of. It's a real thing. And unfortunately, those of us who have these problems don't choose <laughs> to be like this. But we have been greatly affected by the rest of you, Sleepo, who chose to believe lies and with unfunded bullshit, you have literally let them do whatever to the rest. So no, I am not one of those people who say thank you for looking out for me because you've done everything but looking out for me. And the little help I got is little in the end because it doesn't offer a real solution and this help always comes with string attached so it's not real help and that help really comes from a fund that only people have paid into and yet they have given more help from that fund to corporations that they have given to the people who paid into it and we know this for a fact so why should we be help <laughs> why should we be thankful you know to those who have literally screwed us out of our own activities, out of our lives, and have affected our health in so many ways negatively for what? Because they wanted to implement their newer order bullshit, and because they have these nefarious bullshit ideas in their head, and they simply don't give a fuck about anyone, and not even themselves, obviously, because if they did, they wouldn't do this in the first place. Karma is real, bitches, and it will get you. No matter where you hide, no matter which bunker you hide into, it's gonna get you. So, you know, why is it we are made to, to eat the shit? But, you know, he explains it well, right? Like, the people who actually follow the shit are the ones who don't even understand what's really being asked of them. Just like the same non-vegans, when they eat non-vegan food, you don't really realize that you're eating cruelty and you're supporting cruelty. And today we know well what's really going on. If you, you know, didn't realize before that the animal had to die for you to eat it. Which is fine. They created so much disconnect between the reality of things and, and what they want to sell you. Just like, you know, in 1984. That of course many people, you know. Oh, many people thought that they cannot survive without eating that stuff. It's exactly the opposite. But once you're, you know, brought to the truth... Aside from the initial, you know, reaction that people can have of refusing this new truth because it goes against their belief system and stuff, you must at some point realize in front of the suffering that is put in front of you that what you're doing is not right. And yet you still fight for it? You still fight for the right to hurt others? I mean, you don't see how fucked up it is, really? No, they don't. And you know what? I guess until they go through it themselves and they become the victim, they, until they become the food, you know, maybe they won't realize it. And maybe, you know, maybe those people who keep calling out that this is, you know, it has to happen, most of them have to die, most of them, maybe they're right. Maybe this is just how it's going to go. I've always been more of a, you know, let's reason it out and find a way without anyone having to, you know, die. But hey. It's not my call, apparently. So, again, if I see you abusing anyone, animals, people, it doesn't matter, around me, I will stop you if I can. But uh, that doesn't mean that I'm being like you. Counter-violence is not violence. Counter-violence means you stop those who are, you know, attacking others. But you don't do it with the intent that they have. You do it with the intent to stop them, and that's it. Neutralize what they're doing, and not allow them to continue. It's much different, and I do resent those of you who make us constantly have to counter violence what you do. Trolls, everybody, anybody who is like this. You people who put your erotica in the ASMR, same thing. You're abuser. You're all abusers, because you don't care about the effects this stuff has on people who have been abused and who, when see that kind of shit, get triggered into their old trauma. That's complete disrespect and disregard for your fellow human beings. And then you get pissed off when we call you out again. You know, it's like... It's not slander when it's the truth, people. It's only slander when it's not the truth. And what you do 
speaks louder than any word we can say. Because you're showing in reality how little respect you have for life and for other people's and animals' needs. And that's on you, you know? So that's my take on it. I don't really feel upset with people who have been brainwashed their whole life and cannot know anything else. But once you've been exposed enough times to the truth and you still want to push the lies, well, yeah, then I will look at you and say, what's up, yeah? And that is where a lot of people are at right now, I think. A lot of people, you know, haven't done hard coherence, haven't done the exercises, have chopped them up for bullshit, so they're still scared in their, you know, constant you know, fear of losing whatever little thing they have, and so they keep plugging along. And they, they, you know, they're the people who listen to Rage Against the Machine, you know, and uh, read Chomsky, all obviously psyops, by the way. And then, of course, you know, when it's time to really show the balls, well, or vagina, however you want to put it, Betty White used to say vagina, right, because it's stronger, the balls are very delicate. <laughs> But those who can show courage, then let's say that, <laughs> you know, when it's time, they, they never have any because they, they don't come from their heart center. They come from their fear-based left side of the brain, which is linked strongly to your <laughs> survival. And so obviously, guess what? It's fear-based logic and it's always going to be selfish because in survival, nobody's generous. <laughs> Very most people certainly aren't, right? Most of us. And if you have been in real survival, you know what I'm talking about. It's not the, oh, I'm gonna say I'm a hero, I'm gonna save others. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they exist, absolutely. But generally speaking, unless you've been in real survival mode where your life was actually threatened for real, it's hard to tell how you'd feel. And for those of us who have, you know, it makes you reconsider a lot of things and you look at things much differently and you realize why people act so selfishly so i don't have it as much with them as most of you who call yourself red pills do also because most of you who call yourself red pills have never even shared dft techniques with anyone so you're just even worse than the cult because you point the finger but you do even worse so it's not it's those who who go out every day and try and help people, those who, you know, really help people and do it in and out without looking for that recognition, without looking for all that, you know, clout. Those are the real ones who I respect. And if anything, if I have to thrive to be like anyone, that's what I would try to be, not anything else. Because those are the ones who, day in, day out, no matter what, are always there to help. And there's not many like that. So, in general, I just look at it now and I say, what can we expect? Can we expect really much else? I guess we should start to expect differently, right? So maybe we can... We can get that. That'll be our next phase, in fact. But that's the whole point. First, we need to get rid of this shit that we're all, you know, filled with. Because if you're like me, and you've been calling this shit out since January 2020, or, you know, 9-11 or before, if you're like me, then you must be, on some level, frustrated for what has been going on. Because our lives have been affected by the bullshit. But the frustration is not so great because in reality we're not letting the ego side of us lead everything. So it comes out every now and then because that's a normal thing. It's hardships, you know. They're not easy fun times for anyone really. As much as some people want to make it sound like they're so holy they accepted it all. Bullshit. If you're here in human form, you're here for something for yourself as well. And not just to help others. And that's the truth. Real healers will always tell you this. But uh, real healers will also tell you they're not healing you. Your body heals itself. 
they're just putting you in a sense of, in a state of relaxation, right? So real healers don't need to lie, don't need to have clout, don't need to have parties, don't need to have special friends. They treat everybody the same, they're kind to everybody, and when people behave like shit, those who are really yogis, they actually treat them well, and they're nice to them. And that's why I always say I ain't a yogi, because when I see an asshole, I want to fucking pound them down into their assholeness and make them feel their own freaking weapon. Here, you want to have a taste of your own medicine, bitch? That's how I become. So I ain't a yogi, and I never said and claimed I was. But, you know, <laughs> you look a few steps down, you'll find people like me. Because we don't go out and hurt people to hurt them, because it's so much fun. We don't. We neutralize what they're doing. And we do get angry because we look at it and go, how can you be such an asshole? Because we're being hurt by it. But we are not even close to the shit that most of people out there are. Because you go out of your way to hurt others, the shit's out there. And you, I should say, not you then, they. Because you who are listening are not included usually in this. People who look for other stuff is because they're actually trying to find a solution. They're actually trying to find a way out. And they care. Those who never look for anything else, they... It's obvious, you know, they're just... Like Julia, they don't give a fuck about anyone else but themselves. And because they've always known only that way of living. If they've never known real love, they've never been taught to love for real. So, hating people like that is equivalent to hating children who hurt you because that's what they learn from their parents. Why are you hating them? They're, they're not the problem. They are, they are the product of the problem, actually. So, if anything, they've been suffering as well because they're not happy. They're clearly not happy. Even though they seem happy, how can you be happy? It's in survival mode all the time. We're not meant to be in survival all the time. Never were. So, being unconscious is not equivalent to me in happy. And people who are unconscious of what's really going on and do these things without realizing what they truly mean they cannot be happy because their higher self knows what's going on and there is a split and so, you know and so you see the rest and so we have to find out though Julia died but now he hasn't said anything else about it so we need to find out so I wanna keep but at least now I put the verbal caca in the end so you can just turn it off and move on <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. What do you mean? We, we, we have to, we have to talk about this stuff because there's not enough people who have really honest conversations out there. All these people are worried about how others look at them. Oh, I don't want to seem crazy. You seem crazy when you say those things. It's like, who gives a shit? Seriously, who cares if other people think you're crazy and they don't bother verifying? Do your thing. You're not hurting anybody. That's all that matters. If insane people think you're crazy, it's probably a good sign anyway. Remember that. And that's my answer to a lot of people who try and be normies, you know? Why are you so worried about appearing crazy when normalcy is what is truly crazy? Being crazy means you're normal. <laughs> Realize that. And people who cannot even live without hurting others and talk about love are the ultimate oxymoron. Realize this. You are not good people when you hurt animals and you hurt others and you joke about it on top of it. You're not good people. So stop kidding yourselves. If you are going to be assholes, own it at least. But stop trying to come across as people who know anything about love. Because you clearly don't. And you insist on being ignorant even after someone has shown you the truth. And I'm not talking about me, no. But there's lots of people out there 
who have gone to great lengths to actually show the whys and the hows. And they still want to fight them because the truth is, they are addicted. And addicts will always fight for their addiction because that is what they use usually to pacify themselves. So it's not a judgment, it's just a fact. But when you hurt others to pacify yourself, then I have to ask you, why do you think you're so that different than the cult and what the cult has been doing to you when you have been doing this to animals forever? And whether it's organic or not, and whether it's from small farms or big farms, remember, the animals still have to die. It makes no difference to them whether you pray to them and you think to them and you're respectful. You're not respectful because if you were really respectful, instead of eating them, you would help them live and you choose to eat something else since we're not even omnivores and we don't even do that great on animal products. And this has been shown by facts because all of you who are non-vegan are always unhealthy and always die young and badly. And those who are vegans, instead of real vegans, always live long, well-lived lives, and they look young for far longer than you do. The evidence is in pudding, honeys. Stop fucking kidding yourselves. Even if you don't want to look at the very, very well-done science that is out there right now. So, how can you think that you're a truther when you lie about such an important thing? And then the other thing is, most of these truthers also talk about all these fifth, sixth dimensions, and they always show you the spinning globe. If you can't even fucking see through that lie of the globe lie, what the fuck do you want to explain? The higher realms? <laughs> You're obviously cult or very asleep. <laughs> so, hey, if you have an answer for all of this, go ahead and give it. But so far, I have not found a single, really plausible answer to all of these questions. Nobody has been able to really answer this with, without, you know, becoming rude and arrogant and saying, oh, you're just a fuck up. That's not an answer. Answer the question. Don't fucking deflect your bullshit on other people. Why do you think you're superior to animals? Whatever made you think that? When did you decide that what you were doing to them was okay. When did you decide that certain fucking subscience was to consider medicine and real medicine was to be called New Age? When the New Age stuff called by you ignorant people has been around for far longer than the subscience you're trying to pass as medicine. And that when you go and look into real people saved and killed, well, th there's not much good there to look at. Hence, they had to mandate it. And then we can move on to further, you know, things. But the bottom line is nobody has ever been able to truly dive deeply into this on how, how can you worship precedents that couldn't even keep the thingy, the, the tiny weenie they have in their pants? Huh? How can you worship those precedents who went with Marilyn Monroe as they were married to someone else? And you call them great precedents. How can they be great when they couldn't even keep their fucking weed in their pants? They couldn't even be honest with their own wife. If you didn't want to be married to her, don't marry her. Cheating is what cowards do. And the beasts cheat. Real men, real women don't cheat. They just, they don't. And when they do, they break it off. They don't go back as if nothing happened. So it's not really cheating, it's just you decided at some point to go another way. So yeah, it's cheating, if you want to call it, but it's not really. Cheating is when you keep going on as nothing happened. That's cheating. Oh, she was still married, he was still married, and they had an affair. But now they're together, so it wasn't really an affair, it was meant to happen. There's a big difference, yeah, it still hurts. But it's not the same staying with the person if nothing happened and pretending. That's, that's really shitty. And a lot of people have done it. A lot of these presents have behaved that way. And then people worship them. Why exactly? And they try and pass it as normal. No, it's not normal, bitches. Get it straight. It's not fucking normal. You know what's normal? 
that when you say something, you do it, and you don't fucking find excuses for not doing it. When you say that you are going to be married to that person because you chose that, then stick to it. Don't fucking try and, you know, wish. And then you confuse orthodoxy with, uh, you know, people who have morals get confused, always lumped together in that shit. You know, it's negative. It's your bigot. There's very different things, man. Most people, actually, who turn out to be very um, promiscuous, they grew up in very orthodox, very oppressing environments. But that's not the same as having respect for promises you make. When you get married, you make a promise not to cheat on someone. You make a promise and then you break it. And you're a precedent. And people worship you because of it. Wow. Seriously, people. But if a woman does it, she's a whore. And then they want to say there is no double standard. Are you fucking insane? So there's lots of things we can talk about. It's infinite. But the bottom line, it's always the same. There's those who are honest about things and live the life they talk about. And those who talk a lot. Well, when it's time to show, they don't do shit. And that's why most of you criticize people who do do things, who do put out free stuff for real to help others, while you have done absolutely nothing to help anyone but yourselves. So much love. And the next time you try and tell me that I am slandering you, when you are the one doing the slandering, you may want to pay attention. Because sometimes, when you fuck around with the wrong people, karma unleashes on you in ways that you wouldn't have if you didn't behave like a subhuman. So, be careful who you fuck around with. Because people like me don't have to do much to unleash the karma. All you gotta do is be an asshole with me repeatedly, after I have actually been nothing but kind to you, and given you tons of chances to redeem yourself. I am not the one unleashing the karma. Karma does it all on its own because karma is the energy that makes everything equal and even. And in balance. So I don't get more kar bad karma because I don't come after you. I'm just telling you, stop being idiots. You're just going to hurt yourselves. And the cult is not going to help you. Because to the cult, you are the same thing those comrades wear to Big Brother. Nothing. When you start malfunctioning, poof, you never existed. Ciao, belly. See you in the next one. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I will see you in the next one. Or maybe Big Brother will get me.